Welcome to Behind the Table, produced by Ryko Theatricals. We take an in-depth look at the creative process and the creators behind it. We are flipping the audition table to be more inclusive to new stories that deserve to take their rightful place behind the table. Our show airs every Tuesday at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern on our social media, at Ryko Theatricals. Now please welcome our host, Sherry Nell Thompson. Hello, and welcome to Behind the Table, where we take an in-depth look at the creative process and the creators behind it. I'm Sherry Nell Thompson, and on tonight's podcast, I will be talking to dancer-choreographer Marsha Antoinette Rodriguez about being an international ballet dancer, choreographing from the living room, and the art of motherhood. I want to get started, but before we do that, I'd like to say that we are nearing the last episode of season two of this wonderful podcast, and I'm so happy that you out there watching and listening have stuck around to support me and the artists that have come to sit and talk with me since the start of the lockdown to now reopening. It's been a really fun ride. It's been a very interesting ride. So without further ado, let's get started. Welcome to Behind the Table. Marsha, hello. How are you? It's been so long. I know. I know I shouldn't do this, but I have to do it. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. I knew that was coming. I knew it. How are you? I'm good. That's what I heard my entire life when I was going to school. And in the morning, bright and early, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. So I, I don't mind. I love it. <laughs> it, the funny thing is it's like it's it's a show from like just before like our generation it was like reruns you know when it was on so but that's I really never really good. watched it either I, I heard I, about it once I like moved to New York I was like Marsh and then I looked up oh it's the Brady Bunch <laughs> <laughs> yes well are you ready to talk dance yeah it's been a while like I've been I'm, sh I'm shifting gears all the time um, so okay. it's kind of refreshing because I haven't really talked too much about dance. I've been teaching here in Orlando um, in a school, um, one of a good friend of mine. So I've been teaching summer. So I kind of, I'm getting back into it and live okay. in person, like in-person teaching. So it's been fun. Yes. Yeah. I just took a in-person class yesterday. What? So I, for the first time with other human people yeah. around me. Yeah. That's it was exhilarating. <laughs> I feel like we could, I feel like we should have body cams when we go back to something after this whole pandemic because it's like you can't even explain it to somebody. Like I feel like we need cameras to like show what what's going on. <laughs> I totally do. That's that's why I, uh, when I did my virtual show, that's kind of what I wanted to embody was like this mm -hmm. whole process. Yeah, but um. Speaking of the process, like, let's get into it. Let's do it. First, okay. I want to talk a little bit about you. Um, you are Marsha Antoinette Rodriguez. Yeah, and that's right. You, you are a very grounded person. And I mean that you mm -hmm. are like a no ego having a lovely human yeah. being. You've danced yeah. as a ballerina all around the world from dancing with Alonzo King Lines Ballet to Art Ballet all the way in Lausanne, Switzerland. You've toured Europe and the U.S. with Unicart and other established companies, born in Puerto Rico and raised in Puerto Rico and New York, living in Florida now. Mm -hmm. And that to me signifies that you're a truly well-rounded person. You know, you're a, like a citizen of the world at this point, and you've experienced <laughs> a lot of cultures and seen a lot yeah. of the world. Can you tell me what it's like to be training at places, you know, in different countries and you know, School of American Ballet, what what was it like dancing as a youth? Yeah, well, you're excited. I, I remember along with the girls that I came up with in Puerto Rico, any opportunity was exciting. So you, you know, when you're younger, you you have less fears and you, and you just throw yourself out there, you know, like, okay, I want you just searching for experiences. And so at that time I was excited, but once I was in the school full time, 
obviously that's when it got real and you're like, oh, wow, like I need to advance this much because if I don't meet that criteria, they'll hold me back. And that's the last thing you want to be left back in the same level. So that's the stress that you're living as soon as you get into a professional school like that. You need to be, if my entire technique was completely changed from Vaganova to Balanchine, you know, like from head to toe, everything wow. was slightly different and little things like the arms, the fingers, you know. And so, you know, as a young girl, you, it's hard to think of all those details, but somehow I would stay after classes and I did everything that I could do to get up to par because otherwise I would be left back. So that's what I remember, the tough parts that I remember, as well as learning the language. Everything was in English. And as much schooling as I had in Puerto Rico in English, I did still didn't speak it. I mean, it was mm. like culture shock, New York. I mean, you got some. And then, of course, you know, New York, you have people with different accents. So on top of the fact that I didn't speak the English like fluent then you have different accents. It was beautiful to hear, but you're like, what are you saying? What are you telling me? And you just, so that, but then it prepares you. Struggling is so good because it prepares you for what came later on, which was French for me in Switzerland. And of course I traveled to Japan and different, you know, where, you, where they spoke different languages. And so the ear was already kind of open. It was almost like, okay, I didn't really understand word for word, but, but that, the accents that I had already in my brain from New York, it wasn't that hard to try to figure out what they were saying because I was already, you know, like growing up hearing, being exposed yeah. to diversity and exposed to different cultures. So that's what I remember from, from that time of being in School of American Ballet and learn and growing up in New York City, which was incredible. Incredible experience. Fascinating. Yeah, and you know, the struggle is real. And New York City's middle name is struggle. It's like New York uh, struggle city. Um, and you know, you do learn a lot from the struggle. Like you said, there is beauty in the struggle. Mm -hmm. And you, you get you get some little tricks in your back pocket. I think that's part of the magic of New York City, why everybody wants to live there, you know, and why people say, wow, there's no place like New York. And I think that's that's pretty much it. Like the fact that everybody's just struggling to to make their make it work for them you know like you go there and you don't know exactly what's going to happen so you make it work and so you learn language you it's crazy so yeah and about languages do you think that this is i mean this is just my own experience being a person who loves languages and culture I feel like what you said about being in Japan and being in different languages uh, being in different cultures or speaking different languages you start to understand them. And I feel like after you learn like the second language, everything mm -hmm. else becomes this little like language puzzle. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I think I know what, you know, even though you don't know the language. You don't know word for <laughs> word, but you're open. It's because language is, is, is also very much in the ear and, and it's musical. It's, it's, it's an art, especially certain languages um, like French and Italian. It's so musical. Um, so you start to really get this fine, fine tune your ear to the emotion behind each word as well. And it's just, it's weird. Like you have to experience it. Like there's no, there's no other way to like describe it to somebody until you you're there, you know, and you, you're like in the middle of like a train station and you're like, I don't know where I'm going. Like I need help. And then you just know one thing and you're like in China, you had to like point at things and they're like, they still didn't get you. And somehow you got to point from point A to point B somehow magically. Um, yeah. That, that was the New York preparation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sure. Trying to just trying to get from point A to point B. Just need you know? to get here. Just get here. me there. Do I go down that way or that way? <laughs> you start to do all these dances. So you're still working. You're working in, on your dancing dance moves as well. You know, like it's, it's everything yeah. included. So, the art of language and culture. One time I was taking a French phonetics class and I remember having to repeat the words, you know, with the big, this is like back in the day, you had the big giant like earphones and you would repeat what you heard. Mm -hmm. And one time the teacher, she goes, est-ce que tu chantes? And I'm like, est-ce que tu chantes? And just, I thought she was telling me to repeat it. And she's like, no, no, no. She was asking me, do I sing? Yeah. And I was like, uh, do I sing? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I sing. You know, I try to train. I do a little bit of singing here and there. And she said that because she said that people who are musicians mm -hmm. have a 
a mimicking ear. So mm. when she would say, est-ce que tu chantes? I'm like, est-ce que tu chantes? <laughs> Just like you exactly the same <laughs> intonation. So yeah, I think you're right about it being an art and it's really, it's really a dance. It is. What drives you and what has driven you to this point so far? Um, I believe from the very beginning, music and movement and just my body, like being able to move my body, you know, like I couldn't imagine if I was missing a leg or something, you know, you, you, you go forward in life and you, and you make it work. But I always thought, wow, I have two, you know, two legs, two arms, like how cool is it that I can just move and and do different things with it and my body can move in so many different ways so ever since I was little I used to always like I was into sports as well I did soccer I did um, uh, volleyball and track track was like a big one um, so I was always into that like I need to exert my body to the maximum you know I, I want to use my body it's something in you some people are not born with that but some people yeah. are and then add to that, like loving to move to music, then that's, so when I got into the studio for the first time, when I was six years old, it was like, a, it was a done deal. Like it was okay, this is what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life. Like, this is what I wanna do. Um, of course, right. at the time, I didn't know it was gonna be for, the, I just loved it and I just got into it. I didn't even think anything else. Um, so I think that's one of the things that dr dr has driven me since the beginning just being able to move. And then also always having in the back of my mind, like I wanna travel, I wanna see the world. Like knowing that there's a globe or a map and there are other countries that this is not just all there is. Like there's, you can take a plane and go and see other people in other places. And like, I always wondered, man, I don't have that money, but I gotta figure out a way to see, you know, to, to go out there. And so it started with New York because I used to watch, I used to see a dance magazine. I used to get them at home. My mom used to buy me the, the prescription, uh, the prescriptions, the subscriptions. And I used to <laughs> every month and I'd be daydreaming, where could I go? And then of course, the School of American Ballet, everybody kept recommending it to me because of my the way I looked, you know, I was like really long and they liked tall girls. So I was like, okay, I guess that's where I'm going. And I, I focus on that. And so once I was there, then the whole, my entire, you know, brain opened up into this is actually possible to travel to do things to you know to use dance as a means to like get to know the world and little by little that's that's what kept driving me just one opportunity after the next one and, and being ambitious like not in the way because ambitious is one of those words that have negative connotations as well yeah. and my type of ambition was different was more like with myself like I want this for me. I want to be able, not people tell me what this is like. I want to see it for myself. That kind of ambition, that learning, that there's always learning involved. There's always meeting people, establishing relationships with different people, that kind of like searching for the good stuff, you know, like. Yeah, there's, there's always that, more. Yeah, yeah. Not like about money or fame or anything. It was just more right. about experiences so I think that's one of the main drivers and I still to this day because now I have other focuses other other avenues that I'm exploring and so mm -hmm. it's still the same like I have a son now he's three and ever since he was born it's like I can't wait to figure out how he's wired what he likes what are his interests because I want to I want to expose him to everything I I know and what if he wants to do something completely different? I'm curious, you know, like I'm excited for him and I want to help him succeed as well. Like, you know, like, so it's a, it's a different way of being, of, of being driven by something, but it's always, there's always that striving for what's next, you know, what, what can we do? What can we learn? And so I think, I think that's pretty much it. Like just striving for learning and for exploring and finding you know, unique, the uniqueness that there, you can find uniqueness everywhere you go, you know, what's cool yeah. about this place, what's cool about, oh my gosh, I saw it, and it was like amazing, and then sharing that with the people you love, and with other people you don't know, they'll ask you, wow, you've been here, how was it? <laughs> the thing, the knowledge you can, you can share with them is awesome, you see their brain mm. go, well, really, I didn't know that, you're like, yeah, that's yeah. neat, it's, it's amazing, it's amazing because the dance world is, uh, well, the world itself 
I mean, I look at the map all the time. Yeah. I'm always like, oh my goodness, I didn't even know that was there. And you know, even though the world seems very big, it's really small. And the dance world is even smaller. Mm -hmm. I always like to tell other dancers, especially younger dancers or new dancers, that it's never good to burn a bridge because it's we're not even like one degree of separation from each other. We just all know each other, no, don't you think? Definitely, and it, that you're not the only one that's had like. Every even in in Switzerland, everywhere I've been, everybody, even the Japanese, they would come up. Do you know so and so? And I'm like, yeah, I went to school with them. Oh my god! And I'm like, it's crazy. Like everybody knows somebody, and if it's not a dancer, it's a teacher. And if it's not a teacher, it's a choreographer. It's not a it's a ballet master. Somebody, even like administrative administrative people that have been in the art world. Like it's crazy. You better tell them, Marsha. And it's scary. You're like, what did you? Like, if there's somebody that's heard about me, like, what did you hear exactly? Like, you're kind of, oh, that you're so nice and sweet and you're awesome. And I'm like, okay, good. Okay, good, good. <laughs> you, you hear know. good things. I'm like, I hope they're not just like playing it up. You know, like, okay. Right. I'm, I'm very cool. So I'm very. The thing is that I've never been insecure about what people thought about me that much but at the same time it kind of am because i used to be very 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 shy like my mom used to be like speak and she would have to speak for me at times because i would be so shy and serious because i was always focused you know like what mm -hmm. do I have to do next and so some people might take that as me being um stand aloof maybe or right or right social but i wasn't i used to love making friends but when it was time to dance or time to like stretch or something I, I just was always very focused and so I, I hope some people don't think that that's being rude it's just how I'm wired yeah I get it <laughs> I totally get it, um, get it. I, I've, I've never I've never had the um the obstacle of being shy I've always been very um open to talking to anybody so that's all how the I time. Met you. you just came yeah. and you were like hey, hey. Like, you've been friends the whole time yeah. <laughs> You know, one time I I mentioned your name, I, literally your first name, and I think I was telling them that I had been traveling through Europe, and I mentioned mm -hmm. that I had a friend dancing in a ballet company in Europe, um, and this dancer that I was talking to, like, because dancers, we tend to hang out with each other, mm -hmm. he, he was a Broadway dancer at the time, okay. and he gets on his phone. I just said, oh, yeah, my friend Marsha, she's dancing in Switzerland. I just, I went to Switzerland, and I went to France, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. He pulls out his phone and he's like, pulls up, the, he's like, her? This and I was, he goes, this person? No. I'm like, yeah, no, actually, that's her. Yeah. So basically, I mean, I was like, she's in Switzerland. Um, but it turns out like he was at a party with a bunch of dancers who happened to be in lines, which you were in at the same time that he was hanging out with them. Right. And then he saw you at this party. And I think he like had taken a picture with you or something. Oh so, you know, it's not just a small world. It's literally like microscopic. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah because that's what happens. Like, I, I think I remember, I don't know who it is, but I think I remember the particular instance it must have been in Montpellier in France. Um, there was a huge festival there, a dance festival. Mm -hmm. And I remember we're all there. We're all performing in different theaters in different same days different theaters so at the end of the show we all got together and we just kind of hung out in the park we had like our own party and we're like just talking and exchanging like experience it, that was the coolest time because we all worked in different countries different companies and we could all hang out i mean that's like mind-blowing and so I, re I remember that I night specifically i think it was that but i can't remember him because there was so many so many different dancers and i just remember being like oh this is so awesome this is so cool like you know, I think it's great hanging out with dancers because they can make any party fun. Like, yeah, that was it wasn't was even a bunch a party, of dancers. Like, we, we we didn't have anything. We were just kind of hanging out, and no food, nothing. Like we were just in the park. It was enough. <laughs> we were just exchange, like talking and talking for hours and making jokes and 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 dancing and like in the streets. And people were like, oh "My God, these guys are amazing!" And we're like, <laughs> "Leave us alone. We're just hanging out." You know, right? Yeah. That's how you meet What's a lot of dancers. And there you go. Like, um, <laughs> so you're in this other country, 
you're dancing with all these different types of people. What's it like being in a different country, having to learn the language, learn the culture as a dancer, like as somebody working? Because I, I know in the case of travel, I've traveled a lot around the world. Um, and tourist travel, you just like go around with like a passport. But in the case of working in a different country, you've got to get like permission and you've got to keep yourself legal in there. Tell me about that experience. Yeah, like at first it happened for me very suddenly because I started by attending a professional like summer camp in um, in Belgium. And then from then I started auditioning and I got offered a contract. So I had to kind of stay in Europe to wait until I got the visa. It was kind of strange, but it is different. That's when it hit me. Oh my gosh, I'm not just traveling. Um, now I have to learn the language because I have to find an apartment and I have to know where I'm going and I have to fill out paperwork for um, my my permit, my working permit. So request documentation from the company and not all of them speak perfect English. So I did a lot of Google Translate. Like that was my friend. Like <laughs> it was like, I would spend hours, Sherry, just before I went any to any office in town, hours just checking <laughs> if I had the translation. And then I would go with that paper handwritten by me because I didn't have a printer. And I would just, <laughs> in case I didn't speak English enough, but most of them did, but it was kind of broken. So for me to be sure, I would show them the paper in French and be like, this is what I need. Um, and that's how I learned. Again, the struggle makes you, because I knew a lot of friends that I met later on that worked for Philip Morris and all these big companies, they had everything done for them. So they had people working for them that would just, oh, what do you need, apartment? They would do everything. When I got to Switzerland, I had no one on my side. I had to do you everything. You have to set everything up. You have to do it. You have to find an apartment. And apartments were in shortage as well. So it's a culture shock nonetheless. Um, but at the same time, it was like I really wanted, French was one of my favorite languages. I've always wanted to learn it. And there I was learning it without realizing like this is this is happening. And getting to know the culture as well is different. There's different things that you don't know about until you're living there. Like you said, traveling is one thing. They know you're traveling, so they greet you very nice. They want your business. But when you're there and you're like having to buy groceries, trying to share the space in a bus, the the, the etiquette is different. The, yeah. And they'll tell you about yourself. <laughs> yes. They don't know who you are. They don't, they know you're not from there. You're trying, they're trying to figure out, you don't speak very well. So it's like, that that part was difficult, but once I I spoke French, then I knew how to like bring out my personality and feel comfortable around other people because I could speak the language. And then after a while, they'd be like, "Do you speak English?" And then we would transfer our conversation into English, just because they like to practice as well. And so, but it was more accepting, you know, as opposed to when you don't speak, no one talks to you. No, it's very and it was strange for me because I'm from Puerto Rico. We we're very warm people we like to always be around and and talk to strangers hi how are you doing and next thing you know and then you leave um but it it was not like that in switzerland very rarely you would meet a, a person there that would be like very friendly and you would talk and talk and talk and then okay see you later that was not the case um working there as well you, you you're working obviously ballet is in french terms so that was easy but when they're giving you corrections in french i was like what the heck does he say? What is, I don't know what to do. Um, but I learned quickly enough because it was a, a company as far as Beja where you have to like learn things very quickly. You're going on tour literally the entire year. So you don't have time you know, to get it right. I'm, I'm sort of surprised to hear you talk about your struggle with the French language because I did pop over and um, I saw you and I saw you dancing at Beja and it was amazing. You were the best one there I'm yeah. <laughs> I was like mm, that's my friend um but <laughs> okay I was like when you came when you came home I was like um why don't they put you in front like who well, I remember they? yeah that like, was where the yeah, out of here. that I but, was but like... I'm surprised I'm surprised that you did struggle with the language because when I saw you there you were like oh merci beaucoup like you had like this cute little French accent. And I was like, okay, you speak French now? All right. <laughs> okay, let's do it. It took me two years. Like my brain was like frozen for two years. I was just like, and then all of a sudden a plane ride back home. I was in the sitting in the, sitting in the seat and I was like, mm. 
like speaking, like even out loud, I was like, am I going nuts? Like all of a sudden the French wanted to come out. It was the weirdest thing. And then when I got back from that summer, back to Switzerland, I was fluent. Like it was just nuts. I don't know how that happened. It was like almost like I sat there and I started repeating things that I had heard in the past and formulating, how would you say this? Yeah. And speaking in French. And I was like, I guess I know French now. And then I got back and it was, that was, it was a wrap. Like I had it. And then Let's I, I had to a couple it. of the comments here. We're going to go and take a break. But before we do that, I'm going to go through a couple of comments. Let's see here. Maria Simonis, um, this dancer was born with commitment, decision, and pure vision since she was six years old. I know. How does she know? My mother. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, mom. So Here cute. for the show. Hi, Genoine. Hello. Uh, Chewy and Raji say hi, Sherry. Hi, Chewy and Raji. <laughs> hey, Myra. Okay, let's see here. What is this? And karate, too. Oh, you were talking about the sports that you do. Um, <laughs> we'll definitely get back into um, all of the things that you do and have done. We love to hear about your life. And we'll get back into choreographing from your living room. But first, we're going to take a beat and hear from one of our sponsors, Nude by You, which is now live on Afterpay. I saw the life inside you. That's so and beautiful. I love it. <laughs> Thank so you. Nice. We're back. Hi. So, <laughs> hi. So, we're back with Marsha and Jeanette Rodriguez. Let's talk about the dreaded lockdown and the arts of motherhood. Dancers <laughs> learn how to do a lot of tricks, but I would say the best one that I've learned so far is dancing in a four by five foot space, I think. Yeah. How do you choreograph from your living room? Well, um, I don't even know. Because you choreographed works. a piece yeah. for Shift Dance Arts and Media's virtual show. And it was hard. <laughs> it was a hard one. Here's what happened. So I was at the time teaching classes. I remember we were doing the Instagram classes. And one day I finished a class and like I was like, oh, let me put my pointers on and just kind of mess around. And then my son Elijah was there and he loves when I dance. And so then I just kind of started dancing around him, you know, like as a game. And then I got very inspired. And so then that's when the very beginning of the solo came out. Cause you had told me, Oh, can you, can you teach like a, um, a more neoclassical class? Contemporary so, kind of, yeah. Yeah. so then I was like, I had put a record cause it was so cute how I was dancing around him. And so when I played it back, I was like, Oh, we could, let me, let me clean this up a little bit. Okay. I could use whatever I thought of that day. And so that's how it began. Just me recording something that I was just kind of messing around, being really free and just kind of like, whatever, you know, like, and then next thing I know, it's like, okay, I can build upon this, like the idea is there. And so being on the tile floor here in my house is slippery. It kind of helped a little bit because it was just really cool to, to try like different things and go on the floor. And so that's how that kind of started. And I had already um, choreographed a piece here for the school that I'm teaching at right now. And I had um, done a piece like back in February, uh, pre-pandemic. And so that kind of had already begun. So that was really neat to be able to go back to it. And then it's like you keep growing. The next time you make something new, you, you kind of explore a different style. This was very different than what I did before. So the, the fact that we were on lockdown kind of motivated me to, to think of creative ways to move and being a mom too. Like, you know, some of those moves were just inspired by my son. Like, okay, he likes this, you know, like, I think he likes when I do this. <laughs> and then I would just go around him and do it. And then of course the limited space because we have that much space too. Um, yeah, you know, I think the transition from the living room into the studio was awkward because 
it's true in the living room you're like holding your you know holding your little square yeah. and you're just like okay now we do this so we we go on the floor we can't really fall on the floor you just like kind of roll on the floor gingerly <laughs> you know and the sliding I was like rolling up my carpet so I can slide across the floor like hold on yeah hold um, on let me move the tv over okay I'm ready <laughs> I know but you know it's very similar this to when when I remember going on tour you're used to that studio 24 7 you're there you know rehearsing left and right like you know you can you can close your eyes and do the whole piece or whatever it is that you're working on because you've been there. You go on tour and you travel around and you have a stage, a different stage every night. So the first thing you want to do, which is like what we all did, was even before class began, we get there early and we're just kind of marking, oh, that's thunder. We're marking around the space because we already know that the spacing is completely different. So the, you want to get comfortable with the amount of space that you have because then you can make your performance really good. Otherwise, right. you don't get familiar with how much space you have around. Your body's not is used to whatever you did in the studio back home. So that's kind of like it felt the same way, but obviously, yeah. it really, it wasn't fun to be stuck in <laughs> stuck in the house. But it wasn't fun. In you quotes, know. yeah. Um, you know, it's it just reminded me when you talk about being on tour. What to you is from your from your lens was sort of the peak of like touring, and what was like the kind of worst part of touring? Um, the best part was for sure traveling. I mean, you were getting paid to travel, so that was really neat because i would always wake up early even though i had a full day of rehearsal and performance i would get up early to go see whatever it was like in china i got up at five in the morning to go to the wall i had i couldn't leave awesome without and so of course we're running i had a friend of mine that we always did all those crazy things and we were running to make it at 1 p.m to the studio to start class and i kid you not we got there it was like 12 50. We're at, at the door of this incredibly huge, like dome-shaped theater in China that is like the most famous. And we're trying to get in because we, we didn't go in with a group. We were supposed to go in with a group, but we were, you know, sightseeing. And I had to show my point shoes. I happened to be carrying my point shoes. Usually it's in the, inside the theater by this point, but that was the first day. So I'm like showing my point shoes. And I'm like, I'm dancing in here. And I'm like trying to explain, please let me in. We have 10 minutes. They're going to fire me. <laughs> and so we get in and then of course this huge it's huge you don't know and but all we kept following was Bejar ballet signs the only thing written in in, in actual like you know recognizable language because everything's in chinese and so we're like okay follow the signs and then we're getting lost and we literally it was like miles that we ran probably like three miles to get to wherever the heck we were rehearsing we finally get there we're like and we start, literally, I change in my tights. We're running. My friend and I, we're just kind of looking at each other like, we can do this. We get to the bar and class starts. And we're like, we're already sweating. <laughs> already. Oh, my God. <laughs> can we do this? Am I injured? Can I do this show tonight? Okay. <laughs> no one has to know that we were. It was, it was nuts. But listen, was, what what you what you so have to do, you did what you had to do. You can't go travel like more than halfway across the world and not see one of the great wonders of the world. I mean, how can you not? You can. And I know a lot of dancers didn't do it because they're scared. They're not going to, you know, but I, we were like, I mean, we have to try and we did it and thank goodness we, we made it back on time. Otherwise, I don't know what would have happened, but that was one of the highlights, you know, of, of touring. I think the things that you got to see, you, you just can't, you can just got to show the picture. I mean, there's no, there's no other videos of it, and I still remember it. Um, but the low parts, bad parts about it was for me personally, I had my husband with me in Switzerland, so I left town often. And so that was time that we were apart from each other. Um, so that was really hard. Um, but he luckily he was working there, so that helped. He wasn't just home like, she's not here. Um, and he got to come along some tours, which they give us the company rate for the flights and hotels. So we, we would decide, where do you want to come with me next? You know, and so then he got to go to Japan with me. He got to go to Greece with me. So 
that was still cool, you know, but it did take a toll a bit because we missed each other. And it was, it was tough because even I couldn't get on the phone much because I was exhausted and I was busy. We were in the theater the entire day. So we would text a lot. It's not the same when you miss somebody, you know? Um, and then the last yeah. thing I would say a low would be obviously you're, you're, you're just overworked. They were double shows and and so it was just a lot. Like I, I, I don't even know how I did. It. Like I look back at it now. I don't know how I did it. Like it was. I was paying attention to my food. I need to eat this. I got to make sure I would cook in the hotel rooms. So those things were not so great because you're like literally struggling in that sense of like, am I gonna make it? I have all this pressure. I have to perform, but I'm exhausted and I'm. I don't even know. Am I gonna get injured because I'm not getting rest and I'm in a different country? The food is not the same. Not really sitting too well. Just little things like that, uncomfortable, you know. Um, but that's pretty yeah. much the pressure of like performing and doing the same show every night. In some place, in some places, we would just repeat the show like eight times, and you're like, <laughs> I love dance, but. I mean, and so those were the low points that I think every dancer would tell you about touring is like, that's not fun to be away from. <laughs> Well, thank you for your honesty. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I appreciate you talking about like the family life. A lot of people don't think that dancers have a family life or that they have to sacrifice their family lives for mm -hmm. dance. But, you know, I spoke to Mindy Jackson last week, who is, uh, she was the rehearsal director for Steps and uh, Steps Ensemble, and she also, is uh, in charge of their the head of their professional training program. Mm -hmm. And she's about to have her second child. And mm -hmm. um, you have a beautiful little boy. So mm -hmm. dancers can have it all and they can keep making art. It's not, it's not impossible, it's not insurmountable, but it is difficult. <laughs> but mm -hmm. how do you do it? And like also at this moment, like during a, you know, a whole pantomime is what I'm calling it today. Oh yeah. <laughs> Last week we were calling it Panderosa and this week it's pantomime. So like, how do you manage like this family life during this time? Yeah, no, for sure it's a big one because I don't think it's for everybody. Obviously some people choose not to have children and that's perfectly fine. Everybody has that choice. But um, most most women want to have kids. And if you're a dancer, it's like for many years, I'm like, I, I want to have a child, always wanted to have one. But then it's like you're dancing, you're not even thinking about family because you are under so much like physical stress in, in a good way. You know, you're putting your body through that, but you have to make the decision. So I know that a long time ago and still to this day, there's that feeling of if you have a baby, you're going to lose all your parts. You're going to lose your place in the company, et cetera, et cetera. Plus the physical um aspect of it that you lose you look muscle you lose muscle tone you lose flexibility but not really you can get all of that back it's just you have to know how to do it um so you have to make that decision and so i made the decision to be honest when i left the company to to start a family i just decided to leave the company because this specific company do, doesn't really it, the lifestyle is not to have a child and go back because you're touring so that's that was my decision, but there were women in the company that stayed and have the babies and they figure it out somehow. Um, but so it's a personal decision. And I think the more women do it, which has been very popular now, they're, they're displaying it on social media, like prima ballerinas, you know, just having babies and coming back. It right. should be embraced and it should be a positive thing to show um, everybody, not just the, yeah. the audience that sees them and supports their performances, but also other dancers, because it's part of life. Like just because you're a dancer doesn't mean that's all you do. You have a life, you have, you know, you have rights, you have. And so that's part of it, being able to be respected by your director and the, all the people you work with, because you had a child that should be respected. And so I think that's one you thing know, that was missing before, you know, I'm talking about like years before. To not be respected yeah. enough to say it's okay for you to have a child and come back as long as you want to you want to dance right so then you're doing your job i'm not going to put uh put you in a different um shelf because you had a kid you know like it's it's you who matters how you're dancing so um that yeah was my i mean can can you still dance <laughs> <Yeah>. um <laughs> well i guess you should still dance then 
Um, yeah. Ingrid Silva, the ballerina from Dance Theater of Harlem, just had a baby and she kind of chronicled her whole process. And then she talked a lot about the criticism that she faced with, you know, people pressuring her like, okay, you ready to snap back and all that stuff. And she, she just was like, you know, I'm going at my own pace. I'm slowly going mm -hmm. and, you know, I'll get back to it. And sometimes I don't feel like myself and sometimes I'm ready to dance. So mm -hmm. I think that's like the one aspect of social media that has been um, positive in a way. Cause it allows people to say like, this is what I'm going through. This is my process, like in a real authentic way, not like, this is me and Mykonos again. That's like, you know, mm -hmm. my go-to thing to say about like being phony, but yeah. I um, okay. Let, let's talk more, a little bit more about, um, about this thing called motherhood. <laughs> do you teach your child or how do you teach your child about the things that, you know, we've been going through this past year and a half, like a lot of people find themselves sort of tongue tied over how to approach you know, pandemics, racism, politics to a little child? I mean, do you skip it? Do you have a children's version of it? I know most people aren't like, sit down, child, Let's little one, and let me explain diversity, equity, and inclusion. Like, they barely know about it themselves. No, you know, I they're know. big concepts. Yeah. How do you broach yeah. such subjects with little well, ones in a way that mm -hmm. they understand? Well, it's it's obviously something that will continue on. It's not something they're gonna learn now and then that's it. They know, okay, it's like brushing your teeth or you can't master it any more than that. So it's something that continues to grow with them and it, with me as well, because now when he goes out into the real world and he gets older, I'm gonna see things that I probably did not experience when I was growing up. So the main thing has been, he's only three. So I can't sit down with him and tell him, there are bad people out there that will discriminate, you know, only because of the color of your skin. So I can't explain that in words, but there are books. There are plenty of books. And one of my favorites has been the Sesame Street. They have like, um, it's my favorite book, um, Red, something with red and blues, uh, red and blue. I haven't read it in a while, but we killed that book. Like we literally like just read it every single day. Like, cause he loves, he just loves children he loves being around whoever you know it doesn't matter and that's what i always say we, my husband and i have talks about that racism is taught because you're not going to tell me that my child sees my father who is your complexion and loves on him and like whoever like this doesn't matter what their the color of their skin is he just goes and he hugs and he laughs and he touches and he doesn't have um that uh how do you say a uh, hesitation so that is taught because there's just no way the world the way it, it is um no no one's going to tell me that so i have to be very mindful on how i teach it to him i can't explain it in words but i can example i can show i can display and so we read books like that that it, they're embracing the, the diversity um, and as well, the main thing has been showing when we're out there in the real world, in the playground, and there are different children, there are different families, the way that we act um, is always the way I've always been. But now I'm more aware of it. Like, okay, this is a learning moment for him. So this is good. You know, like just being, I think it's just more being aware. For some people, I, I believe they've had to really take inventory of how their feelings were prior to this movement and prior to everything that's gone on. In my case, I've always been around seeing racial injustice, seeing friends of mine, you know, being mistreated and having to like be there for them and be like and, and be annoyed by it and angered by it. So it's just more of a moment of being like aware of it. I really want and my husband is, is like the same, has had the same experience that I have even more so because he grew up in New York. Um, and so we're very aware of it and we're really displaying that. And thankfully, our son is like. He just, he is, I think he's going to be hurt for sure, just like all of us in life in the future, because there's going to be crap. There's this, it's just the way it is. The world is not perfect. But I think he will have a, a formed a mindset of being accepting to whoever it is. He doesn't, you see him in the playground and he plays with everybody. And so that's beautiful to watch. And I want that to stay like that. So we're really lucky to be living in Orlando because it's become very diverse. So he, I mean, it's like, I love it. Like I couldn't move to a small town just because, <laughs> I don't know. I just, it wouldn't feel natural, you know? Yeah. You know, um, lead by example. Yeah. Hot takes. 
about the playground, honey. No, the playground is is actually like a very prime example of where you learn uh, to socialize. And so yeah, that socialism that happens there, it <laughs> is it, it forms in your mind, you know, mm -hmm. it becomes a part of your system. So mm -hmm. it is important. Let me read a couple of these before we go to the break. Because I can I love that commercial. Let's see here. Mm -hmm. Having a child and balancing a dance career is highly admirable. Woman power. I can hold that. Wait and bake that cake. Yes. <laughs> Somebody said fire, fire. Okay. Fire. Um, racism is absolutely taught behavior and perceptions. Let's see here. Thank you very much about speaking about the possibility of both dancing and having a family. I appreciate hearing that very much. Uh, let's see here. What was one of your favorite pieces that you have danced? Oh. Thank you, Sierra. Sierra, that's a really good question. Oh, <laughs> so many. I just, I when I was dancing Balanchine, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite was um, Diamonds. I love dancing. Now we did it for the workshop. So it wasn't like professional. So that was that. And then for when I was dancing classical, then of course my favorite was Cinderella because of the music. Like you dancing to that music is like, oh, I love it. Prokofiev. And then after for lines, I had to dance um, one of his ballets called Rasa. And it was so cool. Like that just, it would just start so intense. Like, you know, that was my favorite one. That was really contemporary. Isn't and that a solo that, that you dance for lines? It was for a tour. I was gonna go and dance. Like I told him, I'm gonna go over there and just kind of, kind of learn from you know. After I toured, because he, one of his main dancers got injured, and he called me. I remember next door, and in, in the, I wasn't sleeping in the room next door in this house, and he Alonso calls me at like two a.m. because <laughs> there's a time difference. He's in California, and I, my phone's like, and I'm like. Hello, I had no idea who it was, but I picked it up and it was Alonzo. Could you imagine? I was like, okay. <laughs> and he's like, what did he say? Can you come to Hawaii? And I was like, <laughs> Frank's next to me, like half asleep. And I was like, what happened? <laughs> he's like, oh, one of my, and then he tells me one of my um, dancers injured her back. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like that, it, that was like, I was like so shocked. I was like, is she okay? Like I was like freaking out. To hear that, you know, she injured yeah. her back. That's like major. And I was like, oh. And then I was like, um, oh, yes, can you learn the choreography? And like in two days. And I was like, I, I will try my best. I, I promise I won't let you down. And I said, okay, yes, I, I, I will be there. Okay, my, my assistants are going to send you the ticket now in the next few hours. So get some sleep. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and then I'm like turning around and telling Frank what just happened. Like it was one of those things like I needed to consult with him, but I had auditioned for him. So it was kind of already talked about, but it was one of those things like you had to make, you know, he was in a panic. What um, decision? That was pretty, pretty cool. I still remember that night at, or morning, 2 a.m. And then the wow. next day I was already, you know, it was, it was crazy. What a story. I remember that. Ooh. That was really cool. Um, I didn't know what the heck I was doing, Sherry. I had to improvise some parts because it, obviously I couldn't learn it all. It was, he said, yeah. just improvise. This is the kind of movement I want. I was like, okay. <laughs> and then that was, that was that. And then after that, I wanted to go to San Francisco to just hang out with them. And he was like, yes, please. And then Bejart happened. And I was like, ah, oh, you know, like I just made a decision, Europe or California. And I still wish I had that opportunity, honestly, like dancers have such a short lifespan, you know, like mm. there's so much out there. Like you can dance for so many companies if you, but, but it, it's never enough time. Like I couldn't do one year with lines and then one year with vision. Like that, that's not enough, you know, but right. now, like, I'm going to be 40. So I can't do anything anymore, but it's just, at least I had that experience, you know, but I would have done yeah. more. I could. Um, so I can see why some people feel like I can't have a child. There's no time, you know? Yeah. But that's a decision you have to make and you have to say, okay, it's time to stop for a little bit. Mm. Have a family if you want it. And then you can go back if you want, but you just have to know that you need to put both into the right um, priority level because, you know, so that was one of my favorite things to dance um, with, with Alonzo. And then in Beja was Bhakti, the one all in red. That was like, oh, I yes. Versailles. I got to dance it in Versailles. That was after you came to see me. 
they gave me that big break and I was like, I got this, I'm going to do this. And I loved dancing because it was very like kind of Puerto Rican. It's very, it was very like, it's Indian, but you know, if you grew up with rhythm and, you know, dancing salsa and all these things, of course, you know, you can do it because it's, I love that one very much. So that was one of my highlight performances in Versailles that we were outside nice. and it, it was, and I know, Captured. I know that dancers have a shorter career, like life's career span than like maybe other careers, but mm-hmm. you got a lot in. <laughs> I mean, obviously you time, were like, yeah. it was you, for the time. time that you were, the short, you know, spans of time that you were dancing with all the different companies and different countries, mm-hmm. you you got a lot done. Um, mm-hmm. Let's just, uh, let's take a beat and hear from our sponsors and then we're going to come back and talk some more with Marsha Antoinette. I got this feeling inside my bones. It goes electric, wavy when I turn it on. Off from my city, off from my home. We're flying up, no ceiling when we in our zone. I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body when it drops. And we're back. That is so cool. I love it. (laughs) One of Elijah's favorite songs as well. I mean, whose child's song is it not, you know? And his favorite. Um, (laughs) <laughs> what's next for you what's coming up for you right now in the present moment okay so i'm actually um taking quite, uh, college courses for my bachelor's degree uh to become a elementary school teacher so um that decision was made recently because of elijah um i want to have stability financially um and to have like I was just thinking in the future, you know, um, because I'm always going to be dancing, even if it's not that much or, or teaching or collaborating. I just love it. I'm like, I, I believe that having been a dancer in my case, and then becoming a school teacher, I mean, you need, you need to be an artist. You need to know how to get to people, you know, how to engage them. And I think being a performer and being a dancer and knowing about music and knowing about movement, you can do so many things. Like one of the main things about teaching is you need to be an attention grabber. You need to grab the attention of everybody right away. And growing up seeing my mom teach, she's a, she was a special ed teacher in New York City, very talented and amazing. What that, she was, she was a dancer, but not like ever like professional, like she never went out, but she was a great dancer and she just moves, you know, like, and she would just do little things that only a a dancer person that's been trained in dance would do or are any kind of and so just this the students and it's like the impact that you can have on us on a small child you know and on these kids but just being that like animated and motivating them about learning you know in such a setting that is difficult to sit a child on a chair you know yeah. and kind of like go learn this you have to have that lightness and I think I will be a, a really good asset in any school because um it, it just it'll come out naturally and you can't teach yeah. you can't buy you that. have so many That's tools that. already. Yeah. And so um, your mom says Bhakti. Oh yeah of course she loves this. Bhakti. Let's see here. Thank you so much. What which role did you perform in Cinderella? Cinderella. That was my she was favorite. Cinderella. It was so <laughs> cool. And I never thought I would like it so much, but I really liked it because of the music. Like she got to dance all the cool song, like all the cool uh, note uh, score, you know, like it was just beautiful. And the emotion yeah. behind it. I, I love the story as well because it's kind of close to mine. Like I came from nothing really, you know, and then it, it was almost like a dream that I got to go to the ball, you know, like yeah. to go to Switzerland. Like to me is like, I knew I didn't belong there. I knew I didn't belong in places where I went, but I was there and it was like a dream. Like, so I was enjoying- So you were literally like Cinderella. (laughs) Yeah, so now that I think back about it, it's like, wow, it's like a dream, you know? So that's why I like that role a lot because it's it's so close to reality, even though it's a fairy tale, you know? But a lot of people's lives are like that, you know? They 
come from before we go i want to get some quick fire questions going just a few before we go um (laughs) the first one is um what what is the question (laughs) what is your favorite or most memorable audition (laughs) your favorite or your most memorable audition story definitely it's not as interesting um, to meet me, but like, but definitely go ahead and tell us that story, uh, the audition story, audition or story. or just a memorable dance story. Okay, I thought um, the I thought the Wall of China was pretty epic, though, to be honest. Yeah, there's a lot. Like that. Well, the Alonzo one was pretty epic too, because yeah. like, I'm still like shocked that he called my cell phone like that. Like, <laughs> st- we keep in contact here and there. Like I still email him and he answers and he's just such an amazing person. Like, my gosh. Amazing. Um, I think, I don't know, one that takes the cake was in School of American Ballet. Barishnikov was always there. Like, cause he would take the men's class after my class. Cause my class was always in the morning, 10 a.m. And so he would be stretching watching our class. And can you imagine? Like I used to watch Barishnikov movies. My mother was obsessed with him. Like she would just die if she saw him. And here he is stretching. And then, and then I'm like, you know, it's a school you don't really talk much. It's very, you know. And I would pass by and I'm like freaking out. Like, oh my God. And then I got home, I closed the door and I'm like, oh, mom, you're never gonna believe Barishnikov was there. And, and then I saw him again the next day. And the next day, and then he would leave because he, you know, he's a busy guy. And then one day he came and taught our class as a substitute teacher. I almost died. I was like, holy <laughs> crap. Okay, here we go. And then this thing happened. He came around me and, and the combination ended and he stopped the class and he said, can you please show the combination to me? And I was freaking out. I was like, oh my God, he's gonna like say, like insult me. I don't know what's gonna happen. <laughs> so I do the combination to the best thing that I can. Like I felt good about it, but it, you know, I don't know why he's doing this. And he just goes, you see, that's exactly what I wanted from this combination. And then he walked away. Like that was a compliment. I dropped my. Know. I did not know where to put my face because I was like an outcast in my class. Like, cause I don't know why, I, cause I wasn't blonde enough. I don't, I don't know. So, <laughs> like, oh you had to like draw, you had to literally like walk out of the class after that. You have to be like, no, I'm done dancing. There, it was like, Bye. I wanted to die. And then some of the girls that were sort of sweeter to me just looked at me like, oh my God. And I was just like, <laughs> I cannot breathe. And so it's just a story. I didn't. I don't have a picture with him. And I've seen him several times. Even in Bejart, he went and watched our rehearsal. But I never got the courage to take a picture with him. Wow, that's a ooh story. That is a story and a half. I thought. I I really thought that that you had already done like the biggest stories, but that was actually that was it. But it's funny you, only like, if you're a dancer really do you really understand how epic that is to just be I didn't think that could happen honestly like yeah. I still think about it did that really happen did I make this up like no, I remember the day I was just like when when I got home and my mom I told my mom it was like I just couldn't sleep we were so excited like and she's like and I didn't watch that class that day because <laughs> she could watch whenever she wanted to like she could just put her name and come and watch and come and watch I don't I think it's better that she did she would have like died there she would have just had a you know she would have lost it it because that's her start like that's her favorite favorite know. but you know I I know we have to go but um I would say that when my parents are watching, I always dance like quite well, you know? I don't know what it is. I think it's just like the connection. You feel grounded, you feel the connection. If they're watching, you're just like, all right, let's do it. And you just like, no, you can do it, right? Because you want them to feel happy too. You know, you want them, do you want to share it with them? And that's one of the things before you were talking about touring that I really regretted was the fact that I was so far away and my family really, most of them didn't get to see me. So when I would hear the, clapping, the standing ovations and no one that I knew was there was kind Ugh. of like heart wrenching, you know? Yeah. But it's life. You got to choose, you know, you got to do something. So you got the roses and you got your thorns, right? 
Yeah. If you could sit really down good. and break bread with anybody, who would be at your dinner? Who would be at your dinner table and your dinner party? You'd be so dead or alive. Who? I've been thinking about like lately Michael Jackson. He's just to wow. me like he was just such a genius. Like I, I still flip over like his stuff. Like it's just incredible. Like even though he was he was a dancer and Charlie Chaplin. Right. So, like, I don't know. They're just they just I can't. Like they're just too much. I would love to ask them a thousand questions and just see their mannerisms and figure out like what makes them so amazing. What made them so amazing? So those two are dead, but I would have loved to like get to know them and like Martha Graham. I mean, a woman having your own company. What the yeah. heck? You know, <laughs> like just that. Like I wouldn't let them go. I would just talk to them all night. You know? Yeah, totally. <laughs> would you um, give us one little nugget of wisdom? We have this segment called Hindsight is twenty twenty, and the mm-hmm. gag is that twenty twenty, it'd be behind us. And so just give me something that you didn't know before that you know now that you tell dancers, just short little tidbit. Yeah, I think we learned a lot from being stuck at home. And I think at the beginning, everybody was just like pouting and just kind of, ah. But then all of a sudden, people picked up, the, picked themselves up and, and created opportunities, whether it be as a business, as you did or as dancing and making it work, getting better. Some people are even better now. And this happened to me because I wasn't dancing um, at one point. I didn't have anywhere to dance. And I was dancing here in my room, knocking into furniture. And I still got a contract because I did what we were doing in the lockdown, that we were just trying to dance somehow. I was doing it at the time. This was a few years ago. And I think there's always something we can do. We, we need to con- continue making opportunities and not complain. I think complaining is such a bad thing that we always do. We, we can't help it, but to try to be a little more conscious about it because life could be a lot worse. Look what happened to us. We didn't know this was coming. We didn't know that we had to stay home, that we had to lose so many people. Um, so I think that's one of the things in just being more loving towards everybody and kind of taking a, an inventory of how you really feel about different people that don't look like you you have to constantly be thinking about it because it has been a big problem for many years and so now all of a sudden there's these movements i'm glad for it but it's been going on for literally since the beginning of time so we need to be a little Mm -hmm. bit more i think in touch with that and 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 see say something when we see something because in a loving way because we don't want to get into problems but things need to be brought up and they need to be resolved, not just, oh, that doesn't, it's not convenient for me right now. So I'm just gonna, mm. you know, those those two things have been, I've been thinking about through this entire year. And I'm glad we're behind, like 2020 is behind, but at the same time, yeah. there's so many beautiful things too that happened during that year. I think we cultivate yeah. more relationships with our existing friends, with new friends, mm-hmm. with people. I think it brought a lot- And within ourselves. <laughs> yeah. We got to know a lot about each other, about, about ourselves. each other, about ourselves and about each other. So mm-hmm. be more loving and don't shy away from inconvenient conversations and also, um, you know, find beauty in the struggle. I guess that's, that's right. what, what we would say. Um, let's see here. I'm going to quickly go through the last couple comments because yeah. we have to go. Which company were you performing with then you did Cinderella? I'm still infatu- infatuated with him. That's <laughs> and then collapse. LOL. All right. So <laughs> I think we kind of know what that means. And I think you were with uh, Bejar when you did Cinderella. No, that was when I was here in Orlando. There was there's oh. a there was a company. I'm not sure they're around anymore. The Russian Ballet of Orlando. The Russian. I was gonna say the Russian Ballet. Uh huh. Yeah, I don't think they're around yeah. anymore. I think it's more mostly Orlando Ballet and Central Florida. Mm. But Where should we find you? I know that we have your um your app for Instagram here at Marsha yeah. Antoinette. And Facebook, and then, my Facebook name is Marsha Antoinette Rodriguez. Rodriguez. I'm so honored that you took the time to come out and or I'm you honored know, what you I me. log in and speak to me. Well, you know, my friends, you're I amazing. So see you, like in I really, at some point. Yeah. I know I, I, honestly I I wanted to share your story with the world, but also like, I just really kind of wanted to talk to you. 
Yeah, we haven't had a chance. Like, how do I get her? <laughs> how do I get a phone call with her? I guess we we'll understand. Like five minutes before this, I'm literally is like screaming in the house and like Ugh. we have to get so creative. So that's yeah. one of the main reasons. It's like really. Like, I understand. I understand. I mean, I understand. We it anyway, we gotta doing go this. We have to go forward. Yeah. We have to do things. I can't yeah. just say no. I can't say no to you. Right. I know last week when we were going live, uh, like, you know, maybe a few minutes before we went live, Mindy was like, um, can you hear that screaming in the background? And I was like, nope, I think you're good. It's <laughs> so like and I, I feel totally bad. get it. But it's like <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I know you're busy. You didn't have to do it, but you did. I so would, thank you. I would you. do it a thousand more times. <laughs> thank you. you so a much. special thanks to Ryko Theatricals. We're here because of you. If you like us, subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can collect these Showtime coins. If you want to support us, you can go to uh, Spotify and follow me, or you can watch the YouTube live streams after the fact. Um, for more info, go to Ryko.org and show us some love. Peace, everybody. And thank you, Marsha. Another wonderful show. Thank you, Jeno. Thank you, Maria. Thank you so much. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. You've been listening to Behind the Table, a weekly podcast from the Ryko live streaming series produced by Ryko Theatricals. Everything you heard was recorded live on our social media at Ryko Theatricals. You can support this podcast by sharing us on social media, writing a great review, or donating at www.ryko.org/support. Thanks for listening.